0: You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Good
1: morning, church. Welcome to Sunday. My name is Julie Anglerth, and this is not my regular job here. Um, If this is your first time, I'm normally a worship leader here. Pastor Chris, who led us in worship this morning, is my husband, and we lead worship almost every week together, and it's my joy to do that. Pastor Tim is in Fort Worth preaching at High Ridge, Fort Worth, is that right? Okay, I'm just making, just double checking. He is in Fort Worth. He loves you guys and misses you and can't wait to see you again next week. And in the meantime, I am so honored to bring the word to you today. If you have just started coming here to High Ridge, there's one thing I want you to understand about this place. This is a place where you can grow in your gifting and calling that God has placed on your life. Pastor Tim, our pastoral team, and our elders, they saw me. They saw the calling on my life. They saw the gifting and they have invested in me and helped me to grow. They've challenged me and helped me to change so that I could step into all that God has for me. And I'm so grateful for their leadership in my life. And so I wanna encourage you, if you've just started coming, please keep coming. Get connected, get involved in groups, keep saying yes to every single thing that God is doing in your life because I can't wait to see what God's gonna use you for in the future. All right, we're going to have a good time today. If you want to open up to Philippians chapter 2, you can do that on your phone. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. If you have a Bible, you can open it up. That's where we're going to start, and we're pretty much going to stay there all day today. But like I said, some of you have just kind of come, and maybe you've just started your relationship with God. Some of you were here before I was born, and I actually was born in this church. This is, this is my home church. I grew up here my whole life. And now I get to spend my time leading and training and loving the worship team with my husband. It's what we love to do. But whether you've just started or you've been at this for a long time in your relationship with the Lord, I believe that I have a word for today for you. Um, if, you'll, um, if you'll have me. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let's, um, let's pray and then we'll jump right in. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are the king of heaven and you are the king of our hearts, that you are strong and powerful and you are quick to come and meet with us. Lord, I pray that your word would be illuminated today through my words. Would you use them? Would you put a guard over my mouth, Lord? Fill me with your spirit to share your heart. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the power by your Holy Spirit to grasp onto truth and live it out today. And everybody said, amen. All right, let's read Philippians chapter two. We're gonna read verse one through four. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Thank you, Lord. This passage of scripture was written by Paul the Apostle. This is after Jesus has already gone back to heaven. And there are churches that are starting to be formed in different cities. So Paul is talking to the church in Philippi, and he is trying to give them as many tools as possible so that they can be fully formed, mature, and victorious as a body of believers. That's what he's trying to do. So he gives them this letter. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. And this is just an aside. If you have just started cracking that Bible open, you're not really sure where to start. The books that are the letters to the church right after the gospels, it's all good. But those letters are super clear and give you really good instruction. Um, They were all new Christians. So if if you wanna learn and grow, go read those letters because Paul is thinking in terms of how do I help someone who's figuring this out the first time. So Philippians is one of my favorite places, but he's speaking to the church in Philippi. He's trying to give them the tools that they need to be mature. He uses a fun little tactic to help them take one step to the next step. The first step is they've said yes to Jesus, right? He wants to get them to the place where they can work together and we're gonna get to that relational part. But first, he uses a tactic that every good speaker and every good communicator uses. He uses the rhetorical question. He says, if there's any consolation in Christ, acting like... He's not sure if it's happening, but that's not actually true, right? The pastor says, is he faithful? Well, we all know the answer, right? Everybody says, yes, he is. Will we worship? Yes, we will, right? That's a rhetorical question. We all know the answer to the question. So why did Paul use that tactic at the beginning? He didn't do it because he needed to know the answer. He said, is there any consolation? Is there any comfort? Because he wanted to make the people reflect back on what they'd already been given, So before we get to the second part of the scripture where he starts making a big ask, we're going to reflect for a second. We're going to break down those phrases. So let's get to that. That first phrase, he says, if there is any consolation in Christ, when I looked at what that word consolation means, the word from the Greek defined is a call or urging done by someone close beside That's what the word consolation, in some translations it says encouragement, but the word means the urging that comes from a voice right close to you. It made me think of my coaches when I'm like working out and I'm working really hard and they know that I'm trying to get there and I hear that, come on, you got this. Don't let go right now. Don't let up right now. Have you ever had that moment with the Lord where you were holding on to hope or you were choosing to believe the best about a situation and it's like everything in you, just like, I don't think I can hold on any longer. And then you hear that urging from God, don't don't quit now. Don't give up now. Push a little bit farther. Let's see what's on the other end of holding on a little bit longer. That is the consolation that we get in relationship with Christ. Number two, if any comfort of love, any comfort of love, that word comfort defined from the Greek word is comfort produced by using soothing words soothing words. It makes me think of when my son Atticus, who's seven, knocks himself silly, you know, and I go run and grab him and pick him up, and I start talking to him, and I check in on him, and I say sweet things to him. That is more powerful than any type of medicine or Band-Aid or any of those things. The sound of my voice being right there with him in his pain is more powerful than anything It's the same with my sixth grader, Clara. If she's struggling, having a hard time, my connection to her and communication with her can bring her through lots of stuff, right? That comfort of love, and the word love is the word agape love. Agape is the love that is unconditional. That is the love that God had for us when he sent his son. It did not need us to figure ourselves out It did not need us to present ourselves in a beautiful, lovely, pleasing manner in order for him to love us. He did it because he made us and because he loves us in that unconditional way. But here's a cool thing. This is something I learned this time about this word as I was studying for you guys. It's not just unconditional. It's preferential. Did you know that God likes you? Like, and I don't mean, I mean, like, just take a second and think about that. I don't mean us, I mean you, like he looks forward to spending time with you, he can pick you out in a crowd, he knows the sound of your voice, he looks forward to being with you, that is the type of agape love, agape love is not separated and disconnected and I'm just like this perfect God and I can't stand for something not to be perfect, so I'll just prove how good I am by fixing these people up, that's not agape love, he's unconditional and preferential, he really likes us. And he wants to be in relationship with us. That's the comfort of his love. Dude. Third phrase. If any fellowship of his spirit. If is there any fellowship in the spirit. Now that word fellowship does not mean what I think of. 1994 potluck. Food, fun, and fellowship. Which let me tell you what. My best days were lived at those potlucks. I experienced a... Plethora of global cuisine at potlucks, and they're wonderful, but that is not the word that we're talking about today. The word fellowship actually means partnership. Have you experienced the partnership of the Spirit? I'm talking about when you take a step of faith because you're hearing the urge, right? You're hearing the the urging, the call from the voice close beside you, and he says, You've got this friend. It's like, you know, your friend's struggling. Send them a text and invite them to coffee. Who knows what's gonna happen? That conversation could get weird. You might get in over your head, but hey, I'm gonna be with you. Go for it. You can do this. And because we said yes to God and we know what it feels like to have the comfort of his love, we say yes, right? We're like, oh, let's do this. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I'm gonna go for it. You send a text message and then what happens? They say yes. Now I gotta go to coffee, right? And then that's when you feel the partnership of the Holy Spirit. A person starts opening up and somehow you know that that was the right moment to be quiet and not to say anything and to let them talk, and then somehow the scripture comes to mind right at the right moment that reminds them that they're not alone or that they can they can hold on and not give up on hope. Right? That's the partnership of the spirit. That's what it feels like when wind fills your, when the wind of the spirit fills your sails. When when he meets your step of faith with partnership in the spirit. I look out in this congregation. And I see a lot of people, I can ask the question to you, but I already know the answer. I see people who have taken steps and experienced the partnership of the spirit. I see it because of you people have come to Christ, because of you families have been restored, because of you small groups have formed and spiritual growth has happened in your homes. Like we are people who have experienced fellowship of the spirit. And that fires me up, I gotta be honest about that. Okay, the last phrase is, if any affection and mercy, he's asking you, have you experienced any affection and mercy from God? Those two words, affection is not, we're not talking about, it's just so nice and you're so cute and it's like Valentine card version of like, I really like you. That word affection literally means guts and what it, what it figuratively means is the gut-level capacity to feel deep emotions. If you thought for one second that life in God was boring, dry, purely intellectual, you're missing out, you're missing out. I believe that's why God gave us music because I think it accesses, helps us access our emotions. And I want you to understand something that our times in worship and our times when we're reading the Bible and something just comes alive to you and you just connect with it, Any emotion that you can feel toward God is a fraction and a shadow of the love and the affection that he feels towards you. He is the originator and the source of that emotion. And it is part of our inheritance as believers to experience that affection from God and to God. And that word mercy is the deep feelings of care that God has for all of us. It's that gut-wrenching need to go find the broken thing and bring it close to you and help it get better. That's why God sent Jesus to us. He has affection and mercy for us. And so Paul is asking these questions and asking the people to think back on what we've been given. And now I'm like, okay, well, call Chris back up here. Let's just worship some more. And just like, ugh, all day long, right? But here's the thing. That's not where it stops. He says, now thinking about all of those things. I need you to fulfill my joy. And then he makes a big ask. He says, by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Here's the problem that we run into. We come home from an incredible time at church. We walk out of our amazing Bible time with God. We step out of our incredible Bible study with all the girls that we love so much We walk out of there and we walk into life and we walk into relationship with other believers and they are painful. Those relationships are painful and they're stressful and they're tense. And like, I'm letting somebody down because I didn't read the thing, I didn't do what I was supposed to do or they're letting me down because I had these expectations. I can't be the only one, right? Like we're walking out of these moments and like everything is amazing and God is amazing and he loves me so much. Why is this a complete absolute mess? right? That's the problem that we fall into. And we can fall into two, two kind of mindsets. One of them is the one that I kind of tend to fall into, which is this feels really good and this is working great because he's perfect and he loves me no matter what, right? This is a hot garbage mess. <laughs> so I think this is the problem and let's just, let's just stay right here, right? Let's stay in the safe zone with the perfect love of God, this feels risky to me. Like entrusting my heart and entrusting expectations on other people and letting people have hopes and dreams that are connected to me, that feels kind of scary. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean away from that a little bit. Another thing that can happen is that when you walk away from your experience with God and you experience tension and strain in your relationships, you, the enemy can use that to cause shame and make you feel like you're, Maybe this wasn't even real. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm failing here, so this must, this must be, I'm just deluding myself, right? I'm the, I'm the problem. And I don't deserve to be in relationship with him or them, right? I just wanna lift that burden off of you today with a timeless age-old truth that is this. We are like ogres, And in the words of the great philosopher Shrek, ogres are like onions. And onions have what? Layers. Layers. Onions have layers, guys. Our relationship, I'll say it this way, our transformative relationship with God has more layers than we realize. So what's happening here is real it is valid, it is legitimate. And Paul is very gently and patiently helping the people in Philippi and as a result us say, okay, let's take this, let's peel off another layer and let's bring it into our human relationships with other believers. That is the next step. The next step is our relationship to other believers. We are gonna, here's the thing, in order to do that, we're gonna have to take the perfect redeeming, life-changing love and relationship with God and take a risk on fallen, broken, but healing believers. That's what he's asking of us. He's asking us to take a chance on each other. So are we here for it? Are we ready to go another layer in? Let's do it. If his grace brought us this far, he can take us another, he can take us another step down the journey, Right? So let's take a chance. Number one, we have to take a chance on like mindedness. He said, being like minded. And what does that mean? Uh, Literally translated, it says, the same you may be minded, the same you may be minded. That's not like you and a mind, like, ah, everybody's saying the same thing and moving like a, like a horde together. What it means is to share the same knowledge and to share the same conviction, to think and to understand. So that's sharing the same information. And number two, conviction is that, that knowledge bringing belief that turns into lifestyle. That's what conviction is. Conviction is just a dream unless, you, unless it turns your life into something. Does that make sense? It's not a conviction unless action is, is added to it. So we have to have knowledge and we have to have conviction. And what is that? Philippians 2, 3 gives us what we're supposed to be like-minded about. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Now, let me tell you how I read this kind of most of my life. This is how I read the scripture. I read, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. I read it like this. Don't ever try to do great things because that would be conceited. You should be really small in your own eyes and you should think of other people as better than you. I don't know if you feel that way, but that's kind of how I read it, that that's the definition of what it would be like to be like Jesus. Okay, that's not true. That's not what these words mean. And we're gonna break down what they mean right here. Selfish ambition does not mean never taking a step of faith and a risk to do something great for God that builds up the church. What selfish ambition is, is acting for one's own gain, regardless of the discord or strife that it causes. He's saying, as you are building, as you are growing, as you are moving, as you are risking, if you have no concern for the discord or strife that it's causing in the body of Christ, then you are not following God's heart for your life. This is, this is directional and correctional from Paul. He's giving them guardrails to know this might not be God's will if there's no consideration of what's happening to the people around you because of it. The word conceit is a state of pride, which is without basis or justification. Basically, if it makes you look good, but it's not making you be good, then what's the point? Right? That's the image, the whole image thing that has no integrity of follow through. Okay. And I'm not even just talking morally. I'm just saying like, don't make yourself look like you're better at something. If you don't actually have the, like, if you can't like prove it. You know what I'm saying? Like do it, be about it. Right? That's what he's talking about. When he says, let each esteem others. Well, let me say this about that phrase. If my actions benefit me but causes strife or division in the family of God, it wasn't God's idea, okay? But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. What that means, I'm gonna read what I wrote. What it means is this, that your consideration of others should win the mental race of what you consider first. It has nothing to do with your value and establishing your value as being more or less than the people around you. It's about you taking the time to prioritize what other people's lives are gonna look like because of the decision that you're making. Does that make sense? So like say in a conflict and I'm like, I just gotta say it. I just gotta say what I'm thinking, right? Like I just need to do it. If you haven't considered how those words are gonna have an effect, then that's what he's talking about, okay? If you're gonna make a move and you're gonna do it and say I'm gonna build the kingdom, then that means it should feed and build everyone around you. That's what it means to be in community and connection with each other. The good news is the best moves and the biggest, boldest moves for the kingdom do build everybody up. And that's what gets exciting. Number two, we have to take a chance on sharing the love. He said, having the same love, possessing the same agape. It's the same word that was talked about when we talked about the comfort of his love. He's saying, do you have any comfort of love from God? Now I want you to share that love with each other. Now, let's review. Remember, it's not the like, oh, hello, sister, I love you, and that kind of thing. No, remember, it's the comforting, unconditional, preferential love that he wants us to have for each other. That's pretty cool. That's like some coffee drinking, brunching, softball playing, funeral attending, front porch sitting, whisper yelling to your husband, go get her while somebody's sitting on your couch, crying, riding shotgun, no talking in the deer stand, meet you on the steps of the courthouse, bring you a sandwich to the waiting room. It's that kind of love. It's dance parties in the kitchen. It's grabbing the hand of a friend who's fighting a spiritual battle and declaring hope with them. It's letting an offense die in the ground without airing the grievances. It is forgiving those who trespass against us. And that's us trespassing against each other. (laughs) That's the love that he's asking us to share with each other. It's the comforting, unconditional, preferential love of God. Number three, we have to take a chance on joining in. The word says, being of one accord and of one mind. And that word, one accord, is the Greek word, sumsukos. What it means is, and it's, this is, the word accord, I think about, there's other scriptures in the Bible where it's like they were all in one accord. That's different. That was like unanimous on something. This word means united in soul. It's the only time it's used in the scripture. United and soul in, what it, in soul. And what it means is mutually supporting what God reveals in faith. Think back to the phrase, is there any fellowship in the spirit? Is there any partnership in the spirit? We know what it feels like for the wind of the spirit to fill our sails, but what happens when we all tether together and then the wind of the spirit comes? That's what Sum Tsukos is. It's being united in soul so that we can mutually support what he's revealing to us as a group. And of one one mind is not the same as like-minded. The like-minded one, it says the same mind having is what it like literally says, the same mind having. Of one mind is the same thing minding. Everybody's paying attention to the same goal and the same purpose. That's what he's asking us to do, to be connected and united in soul, to acknowledge that God is speaking. We all have to play a part in this and everyone's playing a part in paying attention to the same goal, a singular focus. Because what God has done to show a group of people through faith, let me give you an example of what that looks like. Of one way that that looks here at High Ridge, we have our part of our church is we understand that spiritual growth and formation happens in small groups. So we have Pastor Paul, who's our group's pastor, and he carries the responsibility and the burden of building a church that that has a structure of groups so that we can all grow spiritually. And he has groups coaches that he's asked to take leadership and to encourage and to mentor group leaders. And then he has us where we say, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna help disciple people. I don't know, I don't feel that smart. I don't feel that good, but I can open my home. I can pray for people. I can encourage. I see the importance small groups, and so I'm saying yes to my role in that. And then we are all saying yes to coming and being vulnerable and being connected in small group. That is an example of being united in soul, of one mind, and in one accord. We all see the purpose, we understand what God has shown us, and we all play our part. That's what we're talking about. As I have looked back on my life, this is, this is, a, this is a message that has come from a very, very real place in my heart and experience. I told you before that the area that I kinda struggled with was this feels messy so I'm gonna stay here, right? So in my youth, a lot of the questions that God asked me were will you serve me, will you love me, will you honor me, and those were easy yeses. And as I got older, the questions were can you trust that person? Will you entrust a part of your heart? They're probably gonna let you down and you're probably gonna let them down too. I still want you to trust, I want you to take a risk. The thing is, those relationships in my in my youthful mentality, those relationships felt like hindrances because I wanted to go fast and I needed to slow down so that I could make sure someone was coming along with me, right? I wanted to be blunt and to the point because honesty is important, right? (laughs) But I have to speak gently in order not to crush someone. And then you get connected to people who are moving way faster than you, than you and way stronger and I gotta speed up a little bit to catch up, right? All of those things felt like hindrances. They felt tense, felt difficult. It felt like I was being squeezed and stretched all at the same time. But the older I've gotten, I've realized that that is the will of God for us is to be tension with one another so that we can watch God fill our sails. I got this picture a couple months ago. I was just reflecting back on all that God has done here at High Ridge and what I've gotten to personally experience. We got to write a couple songs and record them, which is a dream come true for me, but in my youthfulness, the dream involved just me. I mean, let's just be honest. It just involved me being awesome and the whole world thinking I was awesome, right? What you learn as you grow older is that none of it's possible on your own. It's not even worth it on your own, right? So I'm like crying, thanking God because the, the level of connection, the, the united in heart and mind over these projects have been so incredible, not just for the team, but the whole church. People kept texting and messaging us and saying, this is amazing, keep going. And I'm like, oh my gosh, people want us to do this? Like, this is amazing. My gratefulness was just, over the moon and I saw this picture of like a person with like a parasail, like on a beach and like dragging it and I just, I was like, that has been me where I've just been like, come on, <laughs> do it. Like, oh, and then the thing is, that moment of trying to get a big sail up on, off the ground, that is some hard work. And let me tell you what's easier than, easier than that, cutting those ties and just walking, right? Or running or swimming or whatever until the wind kicks up. And then if those ties are not there, It doesn't matter how hard that wind blows. I might get knocked over, but I'm not flying anywhere without those ties. And it all just kind of clicked in for me. Like these relationships that God has given me and placed me inside of is so much bigger than me. I'm not even the person. I'm just one of the like tension strings, right? That's really what's going on. We're all working together. And the thing is, is that when you're tied like that, you might there might be some times where you're pulling and doing some hard work and then there's a time when they are dragging you along and you're holding on for dear life. Those relationships are what hold us up when we feel weak. When we feel weary and we feel like we can't go on any farther. That's why God gave us each other. We are not meant to do this alone. We are meant to take risks on each other and it will hurt. And it will be tense and it will be a struggle and then the wind will catch, and we'll get to do things that we would never do alone. The scripture that goes right after verse four is the perfect example of the attitude that God wants us to have. Um, Paul, Paul said this, he said, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This is one of my favorite passages. We read it a lot before we go on to lead worship. We read it together as a, as a team reminding ourselves of the example that Christ was. He said, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus chose not to grab onto his position but he took the form of a willing servant for you and for me. He was humble and obedient, not just at the cross, but he was humble and obedient all the way to the cross. He was the perfect example of it. He chose the better way and he set the example for us. So as we finish up today, I would love it if you'd put your Bibles away and close your phones. I wanna take a minute to reflect and I can talk all day long and We can think about things all day long, but there's something really beautiful about taking a moment to pause and asking the Holy Spirit, what do you wanna say, what are you doing in my heart specifically? So as you close your eyes and prepare your heart, sometimes I put my hands on my lap open to symbolize that I'm ready to receive from God. Let's just take a moment and ask him, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What step do you want me to take? What layer do you wanna take off today? Maybe there's someone who needs to forgive or just needs to let an offense just die. someone here, I believe that there's a breakthrough. There's a, a new door on the other side of being willing to take a risk in relationship with someone, to trust somebody. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I receive your word. I want the end of my life to look like I'm the most trusting, open person, connected to the body, believing the best about those around me, always hoping, always persevering, fighting with my brothers and sisters for victory, joining together in prayer, fighting battles, building the kingdom, and loving one another with the unconditional preferential love that you've given us, God, overlooking faults and flaws, overlooking shortcomings, forgiving offenses, letting them roll off my back because it doesn't even really matter in the end. I'm saying yes to that, God. I'm saying yes to your heart. And there may be someone here who as I was talking about the comfort of his love, the encouragement from Jesus, the partnership with the spirit, that that was something that your heart leapt at, that you realized that you've never had that before. You never experienced what it, what it feels like to hear the words of God coming and meeting you in your moment of pain and surrender. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that today. It's a prayer of repentance. It's an invitation asking the Lord to come, to forgive us of our sins, and to be the Lord and to be God over our life. This prayer has changed my life and I know that it will change yours if you'll pray it with me. So pray with me today. If you want a relationship with Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you came and you died for me. I believe you rose from the grave so I could have life and forgiveness for every one of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart. Be the boss. You can take over. I don't want to live my way anymore. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. With your eyes Still closed and head still bowed. If you if you prayed that prayer with me, I, I don't want to embarrass you, but if you would lift your hand so I can see, is there anyone who prayed that prayer? Good. Praise the Lord. And if you're watching online, or if you prayed that prayer, there's a number appearing on the screen. The number is eight four four HRC text. You can text the word I prayed to that number and we can send you a link to help you know what's next because this is not the end of the journey with God. This is the very beginning and we're really excited to have you take that journey with the Lord. Hyridge, if you would look up at me and and uh, stand to your feet. Thank you so much for hanging with me today. I appreciate it. I'm honored to bring the word today. Thank y'all.
0: Come on, give it up for Julie. Didn't she do such a great job today? So, so good. I just want to also just honor her as well, because obviously she's multi-gifted, right? She has a voice like an angel, leads us so well in worship, can speak, can preach, teach. But her heart and Pastor Chris's heart are what I really love about them so much, is their heart for you guys, their heart for this church, this house, their commitment for a long time, to this house. Way before it was High Ridge, way before we had a new building, way before we were growing, they were here, doing the work. And I just wanna honor you. Love you so much, love you and Pastor Chris. So, it's awesome. Well, I wanna go ahead and call forward the elders if we can. And uh, if you need prayer for anything at all today, that's that's why they're here. And so it'd be really silly, I say this every time, but it'd be really silly for you to come to church, need prayer, Leave not having been prayed for when you have the opportunity. So if you need prayer, please take advantage of that. That's why we are here. We want to pray for you. We believe in the power of prayer. Amen. So a couple quick announcements for you. Um, today is baptism. So after third service, we're gonna have baptism. So if um, you know, if you've got a wife that you're like, hey, she really needs baptized, like bring her. If you have a husband that really yeah, like, man, we need to get this guy taken care of, bring him. Um, but you can, even if you haven't signed up yet, you can still come. We have shorts and t-shirts that, that no one's business has been in that you can have to be baptized in. Um, and so that's after third service today. Second quick announcement is everyone remember December 18th. It's our Legacy Sunday. It's, um, it's a Sunday that is one of the biggest Sundays of the year for us because we get to just show you uh, what... The church has done, what you have done, what your generosity has done this year, the lives that we've impacted, the global impact that we've been able to have because of your faithfulness, because of your prayers, because of your generosity. We want you to be here, and we want you to celebrate with us. This is a celebratory day, all right? And so we want you to be here for that. That's a really big deal. And then just lastly, if you've been watching online, we just, we just want you to know that we love you. We hope that you, um, if you've been sick, you haven't been feeling well, that you get to feeling better. We hope they had a great Thanksgiving. And so I'm going to pray for us real quick, and then we are going to dismiss. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for today, God. We thank you for the word that came in power. We thank you for Julie. Lord, we thank you for this family, this house, this church, Father. We do not take the body for granted. Lord, we pray that you would be with us throughout our week this week, you'd empower us to live a life that we could otherwise not live. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd be with us as we go in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You are dismissed. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you wanna be a part of our online community, Connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at @highridgelv or you can check out our website at highridgelv.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit highridgelv.com/give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your
1: life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.